0: McNamara in for a Tuesday edition of All Marine Radio Happy Vietnam Veterans Day for all you Vietnam dudes And girls Like why do you fuckers get your own Day man what's up with that Like what are you special Yeah like come on What about the rest of us That's why we have Veterans Day But oh no you guys Gotta have your own all right so, we're going to talk to you, Ken Rogers today, Vietnam veteran, and friend of mine, he and his wife Betty, just uh, awesome, awesome, awesome people, and um, uh, have made a couple of documentaries, one, of, one about Ken's company at Khe called Bravo, Common Men, Uncommon Valor, if you haven't seen it, you really ought to. I would suggest it, so yeah, take that to the bank, it's on Amazon Prime, if you're a member, you can watch it for free, if not, shell out the bones to watch it, watch it all the way to the end, when you see guys talking about what it was like to come home to a country that didn't tell them, thank you, you're a hero, thank you for your service, they shit on them. So, in my opinion, the reason they should have their own day, if we're going to have, if everybody gets their own day, the reason they should get their own day is the rest of us get treated pretty fucking good because they got treated like shit. And the nation grew up on us, on them. The nation doesn't do that anymore. And they paid a heavy, heavy price. Right? So, uh, we're going to talk to Ken here in a few minutes. Um, A couple of comments, though supposedly uh, there's progress being made in the discussions relative to Russia v. Ukraine um and um The and here's why I think that's possible. Russia's kind of screwed over overextended supply lines under attack. Now, everybody said, Well, they're kind of recocking. Well, if you read different articles from people that have information about them recocking, right, the equipment they're trying to get out of their reserves has been literally ransacked anything that had precious metal in it got pulled out of vehicles and sold on on the black market right fuel fuel reserves are not there sold on the black market so um, again if you believe maybe a half of that uh, what you're seeing is them going to reach into the reserve and the reserve ain't there Right. It's it's in vastly, you know, smaller numbers and vastly inferior. So you've got an extended Russian military that's that's been getting. That's been given as good as it's given in Ukraine. And, you know, for a few weeks, we've seen, oh, no, some Russia will grind this out. Russia will do this. Well, that hadn't happened. We haven't seen the, the lines move. So, in my opinion, Russia, Vladimir Putin, got to find a way out of this shit. So, miraculously, uh, there's some progress reported this morning. So, I know I would say the basis of the prog- progress is from the Russian perspective: we're not gonna we're not gonna win this thing, and they've concluded that. So, uh, we shall see. But today's not about that. Uh, the other the other funny thing. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, in the world of digital shit, right? Digital imagery. So, years ago, due to the quality of, of photography, you know, people covering the president would take a picture, you know, and from a distance, and there was no way you could blow up to see what he had in his hand, much less read it. Well, now we don't have that problem anymore, right? You could take a picture from afar as long as the image is dense enough, right? As long as whatever took it, took it at a high enough definition, you can blow up whatever the hell he has in his hand and you can read this shit on his paper. And they did, right? And so the president, again, I talked yesterday. It's just head shaking. How many times do you have to tell a guy who's notorious for running his mouth you know, he's, you know, Joe Biden, one of his nicknames was the gaffe machine. You know, stop, man. You have to stop. You cannot think out loud as a president of the United States. I mean, shit, you shouldn't have done it as, as, a, uh, as a senator, but he did. And the only reason he got elected was because of COVID. There's no way if he does this shit during the election, well, maybe there is, Maybe the the disdain among independents relative to Donald Trump uh, was such that even even if he would have, like rolled out the gaff machine, maybe he still wins. I'm not who oh. sure sheer conjecture on anybody's part. But I would say that was the basis for my comment that said Joe Biden will never be the president of the United States because he does he did this shit all the time, and now you see him twice, two times. Last week, um, just stop. What about WMD? And America would retaliate. It's not the right phrase, bro. As a member of NATO, we all options would be on the table at that point. That's easy. I mean, what in the fuck is he thinking about? Who do you think you are? Do you forget that you're the president of the United States? And now we're spinning this moral outrage. Regime changes up to the you know Russian people. That's not what he said. And again, I, I I just at some point. I mean, who needs to speak to him to tell him to stop doing this? But he can't, right? He can't, and he's just horrific at it. So anyway, the president we have. The Wall Street Journal wrote a very interesting um, editorial Sunday Monday about the president we have. And let me tell you, that's as good as it gets, folks. Because the vice president, she is not up for the job. I mean, she struggles. I mean, just to go and, and acquit herself um, as a person of substance, I mean, she just struggles mildly. She struggled every step of the way uh, with this job. As, as of the vice president, which is not supposed to be that difficult, right? She's supposed to go stand there, shake hands, take pictures, not screw it up. Somehow or other, she can't do that. So, yeah, there's no there's no cavalry coming over the horizon. So he's, you know, he's, it's uh, rough, man. Rough. This is the best the nation has to offer. Think about that Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, and Joe Biden in the last two elections. <sniffs> Ugh, man. Yeah, tell me we don't have to somehow or other refigure a way to, to, um, elect pe- elect presidents in the country I mean name recognition and the ability to raise money gets those people on tickets rough 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 so i'm not really i'm not gonna do any um, I'm not gonna do any uh anything else other than talk about talk with Ken about uh Vietnam today. And we'll talk about, uh, we'll find out what uh, he and Betty uh, have released their second documentary entitled I Married the War. You should check that out, especially if you're anybody who deals with trauma in your life. And I don't mean combat PTSD, I mean, if you deal with trauma, right, you should watch this movie. It's called I Married the War. And the, the trauma they talk about is somebody going off to war, but anybody who lives with somebody who's been through trauma will see themselves in this documentary. And there is incredible wisdom in the documentary that I would tell you to avail yourself of. Mm -hmm. I married the war. Yeah. Put it in your local search engine and hit enter. And you will see the incredible work they do. So Mm -hmm. Ken's going to join me. We're going to talk about what he's been up to and his better half, Beatrice, otherwise known as Betty. Betty. So good morning to you. Welcome to All Marine Radio on uh, March 29th, Vietnam Veterans Day, or something like that. I mean, get, I don't. Why the fuck do they get their own day? Because Barack Obama gave it to them. Well, what about like Afghan, Iraq Veterans Day? When are we going to have that? But again, I'm not. I'm not Vietnam Veteran hating today. <laughs> Although it may sound like it, I'm not. But I mean, come on, you get your own day, really. Hmm. So, good morning to you. Uh, thanks for listening on this Tuesday. The United States Marine Corps Band makes it official. Good morning. <laughs> dedicated to all the vietnam veterans out there who listen um god bless you thank you for what you've done thank you for what you've done for all of us because um we've gotten our asses kicked whether we did anything or not and um rogers is calling me what the hell Oh, rogers mute yourself
1: Hello? Hello?
0: Hello? Can you hear me now? Hello? Can you hear me
1: now?
0: Hello? Hello? Yeah, that was me trying to get, talk to Ken. Oh god, I'm in hell. Um maybe we'll do it this way. Can you hear me now? Hello? Can you hear me now? He's fucking me up. Okay. Um, Before he calls me back again and screws me up. Um, Just dedicated all the Vietnam veterans out there. Thank you for everything you've done for people like me um, who've been a beneficiary of everything that happened to you. And God bless you.
2: But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day, and Sergeant so Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We gotta do what these Marines did here seventy five years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds to win you
3: gotta
0: win alright time to check the weather and then Ken will join us I think currently it is partly sunny and 35 in Quantico where my daughters are yeah, Catherine and Colleen mucking about with their oldest brother, getting a chance to see their their new nephew. Yep. Uh, three storm warnings in Quantico. One is a gale watch, so windy there. Small craft aft advisory and a second small craft advisory. So cold and windy in Northern Virginia. Uh, Down the coast at Cherry Point, it is partly sunny and 44, 29 Palms, sunny and 52, so Southern California cooled off a little bit as well. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy and 66, Okinawa, dark cloudy and 71. On the northern coast of Australia, it is dark cloudy in 81 and in Kyiv, also known as Kiev, It is partly sunny at 55. So again, why is that important? Because warming air saturates the soil with water, means tanks cannot, cannot get off road. Which means if you're the defender, the Ukrainians, you can smoke their ass. Currently... In the Coastal Mesa, Newport Beach here of Southern California, partly sunny and 54. Looking for a high of 66 today, 66 tomorrow, 67 on Thursday, 68 on Friday, 67 on Saturday. So a little bit cooler. Not really excited about it. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to see if we can get Ken on the phone and if I can make this one. So he should be able to hear me. You can hear him.
1: Hello. Can you hear me? Hello? Hello. Yeah. Hello.
0: All right. I like that. All right, Rogers. First of all, uh, what is your current location?
1: Planet Earth.
0: <laughs> okay. Nobody likes a smart ass, okay? I don't care if you have your own holiday or not, okay? Are you in Idaho? Are you uh are you parts other? Where are you?
1: Idaho. Well, we are home. So,
0: Idaho. Uh, what's, yeah. uh, give us a little bit of a weather uh, update from— uh, Dry and warm. So. What city in Idaho? Where are you at?
1: We're just outside Boise. So.
0: Got it. Got it. So just outside Boise, sunny and warm. Like, what's warm to you?
1: 65.
0: All right. No, that's warm. That'll work. That'll work. What um? All right, let's talk about you. Where you been? Uh, you and Betty have been. Uh, I know you in, in late February. You were. I was trying to. I wanted trying to get down to Casa Grande where you were showing. Uh, I married the war, but I was traveling, so I could not get there. Um, what have you guys been up to? Where you been? What are you doing?
1: Well, we went to the Southwest, and we were there for thirty-five days. And one of the things we did was screen "I Married the War" in my hometown. Casa Grande on the 24th of February to a very fine turnout. And one of the great things about this, when we screen films down there, I think five times, and usually it's people that I know show up. And this time it was like most of the people there were veterans and wives of veterans who were interested in the subject matter, which we thought was great. So That's
0: awesome that's awesome um your hometown so you're down in in arizona for about a month
1: well we were in oh man we were in utah and new mexico and colorado and arizona and so we we made a big loop wow wow we've been home for a couple of weeks so. got it
0: got it um so where's the next event where are you going next
1: where are we going? Yeah. We're always, I'm going to hell if I don't change my ways, I suspect. But
0: I think it's too late, man. That's a, That deal is sealed, man. You you might as well enjoy yourself.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I, that, that's kind of my philosophy. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we're going to California and this, this is all personal business. We're going to California for Easter and then we're going to Oregon for, to go to the coast, and then we're taking our granddaughter to Yellowstone, and one of our granddaughters, the youngest one, and uh, we're going to screen I Married the War in Boise on May the 4th, uh, and...
0: uh, Is that like a premiere?
1: Well, it's kind—you know—it's a kind of. You because know, uh, uh, I'm
0: still waiting to go to the premiere. I mean, I was told well, that I need would to, get.
1: You need to consult with the person that knows what the hell's going
0: on. Oh, that so, would not be you. I know that.
1: That is correct. <laughs> I was always just an enlisted person. Oh, uh, don't no, play
0: that card on me! I, I don't he, go for that to shit. Managed to not
1: ever get in trouble very much because I had figured out how to stay in the background. So.
0: Well, that's an interesting story too, because Ken would say, like, I, I have, I, there's a picture I use of Ken in uh, post traumatic winning. And um, because he's, he's, he, he's featured in it prominently. And, and he and Betty are featured in it as well. And, but where this, the thing that Ken talks about was is alcohol and trauma. And, <coughs> excuse me, the pictures I use, He's at k he's in a flak jacket, doesn't have a helmet on. He's outside of a bunker and he's leaning against some sandbags. <coughs> and he's got this kind of sneer on his face. <coughs> I'm dying here. And I asked him about it. He said, I was pissed. I didn't like people telling me what to do generally. So my time in the Marine Corps was not exactly optimal happiness for me. So <clears throat> you take instructions from your wife much better than you seem to have taken them from Marines. Yes, very true. All right, I think I've recovered. Um, all right, so if it's a premiere, then I want to come and uh, and and be at the gala. So
1: okay. Oh, no, so you need to, I'll have, I'll have the boss get in touch with you. Yes.
0: yes. Oh. All, right. All right. And then, so what, for people that want to watch I Married the War, uh, should, can they watch it if they go to the website now? Is that the case?
1: Well, they can get a link to go watch it or they can get a link to buy a DVD. Uh, www.imarriedthewar.com, we'll get them there, and then there's directions in there about how to to find out more information about what we're doing and what's going on now and how to purchase the film or watch the film if you want to. Uh, What else can I tell you, sir?
0: No, that's it. That's what I wanted to know. Okay, so if you go to the website, I'm looking at it right now, Live Boise, Idaho, Riverside Hotel, May Fourth at six p.m. A special reception opens the program. Will you have your uh? We you have. Will you have a tie on?
1: I haven't been instructed yet.
0: So. Well, we can. Let me just tell you. I can tell you with confidence. Ken cleans up all right. I saw him. I saw him in Hollywood. Yeah, and he had a tie on. So that was pretty cool. Um. All right. So I'll, I'll assume that's a yes. And uh, so, uh, again, so it's I'mMarriedToWar.com. Uh, and let me just tell you, um, as somebody, and again, I, I, I say this, and Ken, you can comment on it, but it doesn't matter. So much I think people talk about is, oh, combat PTSD. Combat PTSD is, is PTSD. It's trauma. It's life after trauma. Right, and so if you watch this, for those of you that, that have people in your house that have experienced trauma from any source, you will see yourself. If you've dealt dealt with them, you will see yourself in these in, in in this documentary. You will see things you've had to reconcile yourself with, things you've had to do, and uh, and it's uh, it's powerful stuff, um, and it, I think it's inspiring stuff. Uh, Ken, your thoughts on that? I mean, this is not a combat. I mean, this story is about life post-trauma and the devotion of these women to guys who went off and had their lives changed by traumatic events that they witnessed and and, and experienced. Um, Your thoughts about that? This movie for anybody? uh,
1: You know, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, for decades it's, been a recognition that post combat trauma comes home for males, but nobody's ever really talked about, you know, the the effects it has on the family. And you know, I I suspect that my children have uh, suffered uh, some secondary trauma, and spouses I've had a couple. I've had two spouses, and both of them have suffered secondary trauma <clears throat> just based on they're being around me when I was angry or all the other, you know, the rage, mostly I think the rage uh, and the paranoia going around and checking everything every night and nightmares. And, uh, so, I mean, and they're not trivial. The, the, the experiences, the family, the loved ones have are not trivial. Uh, Combat veterans may think they are because it's not somebody shooting at you or you're not getting blown up or you're not assaulting a beach or uh, you're not kicking in a door in a house. And uh, But I think that they are not trivial experiences for these people and they are just as long lasting as primary PTSD. That's what
0: well, I you know, that whole term secondary trauma, um, I, I got into a discussion one night, and I, I didn't really know too much about it, but it's not meant as a um, somehow diminished form. It's designed to be inclusive. So so something happens, right? The people that respond to it in combat, it's our corpsmen. Oh, that's secondary trauma to them? Is that some, some, somehow a diminished form? No, it's not. To, to try to save a, a, a friend's life, which is what the, those guys did, the nurses then that worked on them in the docs at hospitals and held their hands while they struggled, and some lived and some died. That's somehow a diminished form of trauma. No, it's not. It's different, certainly. The family members that experience so secondary trauma is designed to be an inclusive term, not a, not a somehow excluding or, or diminished form of trauma. And but it's not till I think you have. Uh, some of the more nuanced discussions about it that you really sit down and, I mean, let me tell you, in the documentary, you you listen to the things people say and you know that the nightly, you know, traumatic events that happen in some of these homes and, you know, it's heartbreaking to listen to them. I mean, and for those of us that, that you know, have been the source of some of them, Ken talks about you know things that you've done, and the way you scare the shit out of your kids and, and your spouse. Uh, it's not a it's not a great feeling, but but again, <clears throat> you can't get to a better place if you won't recognize it and to begin to reconcile yourself with it. And I think that that the documentary will open up a lot of um, avenues for discussion. And and again, I've taken away a phrase from the documentary that I use all the time and i and and it is i have to be a better version of me and i talk about trauma sending you into the valley of the shadow of death and the old version of you will die in that motherfucker man because you don't have the coping skills and so that what this phrase connotes to me is the reality of i've got to learn to be a better version of me or i am going i'm going to die in there and i'll probably impact a lot of people on the way to my death down in that valley and it's a, it's a beautiful line and uh and it, it comes out of a, a family discussion about why uh, a spouse's health is being impacted so substantially and uh and at some point i think it can she looks at the, the doctor says is your husband a veteran and she says yes he's a vietnam veteran and then that begins to unravel her health problem, right? That solve the mystery of why can't we figure this out? Um, your thoughts on all that, Ken?
1: Well, yeah, I think that's, uh, true. You know, I mean, you can either keep going down the road to, basically self-destructing on some level, uh, emotionally, physically, or you can figure out that I got to do something about this and move forward. Uh, And I think an interesting thing about the film is it's embedded in the discussions there about what kind of behavior uh, we as combat veterans should be seeking in order to heal ourselves. Uh, So that's what I think.
0: Talk to us about uh, your thoughts about today. Um, Today?
1: Oh, I have mixed feelings about today. It's kind of late in the game, but uh, a lot of the guys that probably could have used it have passed on. Some of them have taken their lives. Some of them died from ailments that are arose as a result of their time in Vietnam. And, you know, to me, it's like what I remember about all of that, it was coming home and nobody caring. You know, I mean, I I have friends that were spit on and called names, but it was just like the American public was not really interested in our efforts there. And we thought we were doing the right thing, uh, for the most part, I think, as combat veterans. So, you know, I, I think it's good because the recognition is here but i just think it's really late so
0: yeah well just i mean i i've told you this before but and everywhere i go i always stop and and i say this um we all get treated you know, unbelievably today, uh, when you're in uniform or you say you're a veteran and people say thank you for your service and you get called a hero and all that. And 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 we do that because the nation grew up on Vietnam veteran. I mean, in the history of the way the nation treated our Vietnam veterans, in my opinion, is one of the most shameful history episodes in American history. How you could treat people who go and fight for your country. They didn't start the war. They didn't create the policies. They just went and fought it. And then they come home to a nation that's longing for peace and they get treated like shit. Like I, it's still like, you know, peace, love and all the rest of the shit. but we're going to treat you like shit. It's uh, embarrassing. And then when you look at their, you know, the rates of alcoholism, you know, suicide, homelessness, you know, drug addiction, divorce, and all the things that went with it. um, It's just, it's just, it's just incredibly tragic. So, while I piss and moan about you guys having your own fucking day, um, I uh, do it facetiously because uh, my life has been impacted by the way people have treated me. And the, re- the reason that people treat me like that, Ken, is because you didn't get treated like that. And the nation grew up on you guys. So God bless you guys. And, uh, and I agree with you. Too late. Too late. Thanks. The, uh, you Thanks. know, I, I, I want to ask you, though, um, about the, the, the way this has changed relative to Vietnam veterans. Um you know a lot of peop- a lot of Vietnam veterans describe themselves as closet veterans right they never ever talked about their their military experience they didn't talk- they wouldn't share that they were they were in Vietnam and they just kept it to themselves um for you when did that change um because I want to say maybe after Desert storm, you know Vietnam veterans began to be included more um the nation warmed to them. And then, I mean, now it's a straight-up love fest with Vietnam veterans. But uh, when did it change for you? I mean, was there things that people invited you to and you said no to and then finally went to something? Um, what, well, what's your experience relative well, I, to I that? Think it was,
1: I think it was kind of gradual. Uh, you know, when I met my my wife, Betty, I think she was the first person I ever sat down with and talked about my experiences at caisson. Uh, so that was like 1985. And then I just really didn't have much to do with any of it. Uh, until about 1993, uh, a guy that I served with at Quezon called me and said, we're having a reunion. In Washington, D.C., blah, blah, blah. We want you to come. I went back there, uh, met a bunch of guys, remet a bunch of guys, or located a bunch of guys that I served with. Uh, and I stayed in touch with a couple of them, but then I really didn't have much to do with veterans then. Uh, and then I uh, in 2008, they had a, a case on veterans reunion in reno and since it's close to idaho betty and i went down there and uh, that's probably when i got involved with the you know being more involved with vietnam veteran issues and uh the people uh so then after that it's just kind of you know been my life Sometimes unfortunately, sometimes great, sometimes yeah. indifferent, but
0: as you look back on your experience of Vietnam, um, the the key event of your life,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, that you know, I mean, like as much as I wish that it probably wasn't, uh, like you can't get away from it. I mean, I was you know, I woke up this morning thinking about it because uh, tomorrow is the 54th anniversary of what we call a payback patrol, which was absolutely a nose to nose, eyeball to eyeball, up-front four hour in the trenches battle with North Vietnamese troops. And once you go through that shit, man, you don't ever, I mean, nothing, nothing in my life comes close to the intensity of that experience.
0: I was surprised as I watched the documentary. I didn't know that flamethrowers were used in Vietnam.
1: Yeah. I'll never forget this guy named Galoo. He was in weapons. <laughs> and he was a, just kind of a funny guy and of course a lot of the time in, in in Vietnam weapons guys, you know, just ended up going on patrol and and they never carried flamethrowers. They either did mostly bazookas. And uh we were waiting in the trench to go out there, and here he comes with a flamethrower on his back and we went down the trench with him, and they were throwing satchel charges in these trenches, and then he was giving a burst of that stuff in there and you know it was just real real down and dirty and nasty so
0: that day um if I could just set it up real quick, um, there was a patrol that had gone out, um, what, over a month before this, Ken? Yeah. And uh, it was a reinforced platoon patrol, and they got ambushed by a couple battalions of NVA regular soldiers and were decimated. And, uh, and you know, one of the things about being a Marine is we never leave anybody behind. Well, they could not get to the bodies. And when you watch Ken and Betty's first documentary, Bravo, Common Men, Uncommon Valor, you uh, in the first probably two-thirds of the documentary, you hear them talk about, with, ang- with incredible anguish as they describe it, um, having to think about their friends out there, their friends' bodies out there, and the anguish they felt about not being able to get to them. And then on this day, Ken calls it, what everybody calls it, is the payback patrol. And uh, and it's uh, it includes one of the most incredible scenes that you'll ever see uh, in terms of, if you want to know how trauma embeds itself in people's brain tissue, uh, there's a guy named Frank McCauley. And uh, Ken can talk about, you know, just, he wasn't sure that he wanted to be interviewed, and they were, I think, tearing their stuff down, and then he came back in, but when you see him describe the events. And it's almost like um he's really funny as he's he um he does I'm sure he doesn't mean to be funny, but he's he's got this internal monologue going when he's describing events. It's almost like George Costanza describes an attack in Vietnam. Um uh, because he talks about being a Catholic and you're I really didn't want to use my weapon in Vietnam and, you know, could I actually do that? Could I get through it? Well, you know, that's not the way it worked out. But he and he's doing this while he's describing his role in this attack. And when you watch him, you're sitting there watching him going, he's there. If you look at the look in his eye, you know, and, and so I I I I you know I refer to that when I tell people about the fact that you're never going to get over this experience. The way the brain stores trauma, he goes through this thing in slow motion, high definition almost 50 years after the event and um, can talk about that interview a little bit because he talks about in detail the payback patrol and and um, in such vivid nature it's it's absolutely spellbinding to watch
1: yeah and you were right he 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 wasn't going to interview so we didn't you know, we were breaking down our gear and then he came in the room and said, I want to talk. And so, you know, we had a a script. We basically let these guys look at it ahead of time. So I think he'd probably read this. I didn't ask him, but maybe one or two questions. And then away he went. And when we got to that patrol, uh, it was absolutely amazing to watch him, uh, describe the events of that day in such detail. It was almost like watching a film of it. Uh, I could see it. I could see everything he was describing. Uh, and it was, you know, sometimes you wonder if these guys are full of it, but I was there. So I mean, I wasn't there in the doing the individual things that he did or he saw, but I saw enough on the side over here, other places. On that day, that I know he was telling the truth, and he was certainly telling the emotional truth, which is what matters. I mean, I mean, this is what this shit does to you. I mean, it imprints on your memory and some other places in your body that maybe we don't even know about a history of terror. And, uh, I just thought that his and he wasn't the only one there were other guys
0: oh shit talked. the way i let me ask you a question about Bravo how did you how did you decide how it would open because that's Steve weeks, right Steve, Steve weeks yeah weeks and he just recently passed away, yes yes, sir, not, not too long ago yeah so the 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 opening scene is emerging out of this blackness, the sounds of crickets at night. I think they're crickets. I don't fucking know. But um, the sounds of night, Uh, certainly if you've ever been in the darkness of night. And he begins to tell a story about being on an OP and talks about how being how how, uh, what it was to be out there and to be scared. Right. And that they couldn't really talk. They would that you would get, you know, interrogated by the company, CP, you know, OP, whatever, you know. You, you know, are you okay? And you would key the handset twice, <laughs> and they knew that you were awake and you were okay. So he talks about doing that, and then he talks about this NVA patrol walks up on him out of nowhere. Now he laying, he's laying on the ground adjacent to this trail, and the other Marines that are with him are asleep, and he's got his rifle in his hand, and he's talking about, "Am I going to be able to get to my?" Flip the you know safety off without these guys hearing, and, and and he says that one of them steps on his arm, and he thinks they're dead as fried chicken, right? And but it's you're listening to it going, holy shit! And but they don't ultimately they never know that these guys are there sleeping, and they don't know that somebody stepped on his arm, and they walk away, and that's when it starts. And then there's this, there's this artillery that audio that plays, and then the sound of the opening. How did that, why did you Why did you pick that scene to open?
1: Well, because, you know, when he told that story, I thought it was remarkable. Uh, I had never heard that story before. And I just, I mean, it got to me down in some emotional level that I'm not even sure I can articulate, and then all those interviews that I did, all, all 15 of those interviews, I transcribed them, I typed them out. And then I took them and I took them apart and basically put them in the order I thought the film ought to be. And from the beginning, that was my choice. Uh, because, And really, because I think <clears throat> it grabs you, obviously grabbed you. Uh, uh. And it grabs you, and there's a level of tension there that You're hooked. You know, you're hooked as a as a viewer, you're hooked to this movie because you gotta find out about this kind of stuff because this guy has just talked about something that you could have never imagined and and you know it had to scare the shit out of him, but you can't imagine that.
0: Yeah. No, I wouldn't say tension, I would say terror, right? The person if you can imagine laying next to someone Laying next to a fucking trail, and 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 you know, and I don't know if he he said this, but or I went to my I can't remember. I'm gonna watch a movie again tonight, but he he said, or I thought of like. How, what about if one of these other guys goes right in There's the middle? Yeah,
1: he does something like that. He says he says yeah. something
0: like that, right? Like if they one of these guys that are asleep goes or farts or something or
1: moves or snores. They, I mean, it, yeah. it, it was always an issue. The fuckers snoring, man. Right.
0: So. We're all going to get smoked because, right? Because Rogers snored, right? And they just and they smoked us, and the whole thing happened in about three seconds. Rogers snores. They smoke the dirt and we're dead. And right. he's laying there thinking of that. And you just it's it's a terrifying episode, one of what? A bazillion over the course of the years you spend in Vietnam?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And then people wonder why we were all crazier in fact, you know. I mean
0: <laughs> We don't. We don't. We know. But we're okay with it though. Yeah, if you want to go to a good party, go to a party with Vietnam veterans, man. It'll be It's good shit, man. Um, um, Tell us about Tom Quigley.
1: So Tom Quigley was a radio operator for Bravo Company during uh, the siege. He was the radio operator for Ken Pipes, who was the company commander. And Tom died a week ago. Uh, And he had had, he'd been fighting health issues, most of them I think probably related to his experience in Vietnam for seventeen years, and he was valiant and he was a tough, tough man. He was a good man, he was a kind man, and he was really funny uh and you know on the on the payback patrol this thing that happened fifty four years ago tomorrow uh I was also a radio operator, and I was running down the trench with a platoon sergeant, and we were going up to the front of the line. And as we passed, I looked down into the crater, bomb crater, and that's where the command group was, the skipper and these radio operators and FOs and corpsmen and the company gunny and all of these guys were down in there. And, And as we ran by, I'm looking down in there, and a mortar barrage hits there as I'm watching. And blows the shit out of all these guys. And the sergeant and I went on up and got out in front and marked the perimeter for artillery to send out a barrage. And unbeknownst to me, Tom Quigley's severely wounded. And he has, uh, well, everybody there except one person was severely wounded. Some people were killed. You know, he's got blood coming out of his pores from the concussion of the explosions and he's wounded. But instead of taking care of himself, he's hauling guys back to the rear and he's hurt. He was wounded fairly seriously. He ended up, I believe on a ho- hospital ship the next day out and off the coast. Uh, and so we all love Tom Quigley, he was a great guy. And so now he's gone. And so I just kind of wanted to give him a shout.
0: Who is – who's the guy who talks about carrying the weapons platoon commander back to an – It's Michael
1: O'Hara. Michael O'Hara. Tom Quigley was the guy that was talking about fixing bayonets.
0: Oh, yeah. When that (laughs) – what? What? Talk about a command that will get your attention. Fix bayonets. What What did he say? Fix fix bayonets. Mm -hmm. Did I hear that wrong? Did he mean – to say, you know, where are the sea rats? And instead he said "fix bayonets by accident? Oh, no. He said, fuck, fix, fix fucking bayonets on purpose. Like, oh, well, shit. It was a,
1: we had a, a bayonet charge that day, so it was like, uh, interesting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. The, uh, the, the understatement of the century, fixed bayonets, interesting. Um, but is it Callahan? Who'd you say carries the weapons? Platoon commander. His name is Hank. Well, he
1: he 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 carried. That guy was a fo for. Uh, he was an fo, and his name was Hank Norman. He was the first lieutenant. O'Hara, O'Hara. Michael O'Hara.
0: He tells the story, and you know, as Ken says, you know, it's just interesting this kaleidoscope of this event, right? That you that you piece together. And now here's Ken with his platoon sergeant moving adjacent, and this mortar. You know uh, probably a fire for effect that they walked over the you know the the fo group and the command group right and he says hank norman gets hit and he said norman was bigger than him and he's trying to carry him and he doesn't want to put him down on the ground
1: yeah he, he was pretty emotional when he was telling us that story uh you know and it was a great example of the long-term effect of what that kind of stuff does you know here he is and Michael O'Hara was a ornery, tough man. He was a really good man, but, man, you didn't want to cross him. He was nobody to cross, and there he was in tears talking about that.
3: And,
0: oh, uh, and he gets back to the vehicle, right, to one of the Amtrak's where they're staging yeah. the bodies, and there's all these bodies, right, of guys right. who were alive 30 minutes earlier. And, you know, and you see him. Um, he gets so emotional about trying not to, you know, have to put Lieutenant Norman down on the ground as he takes him his body back to the Sam track. That's what, you know, to me, that's why, you know, the work you and Betty do can are so important for people that have been through traumatic things because, you know, you, you know, you go through all this shit and one of the most powerful things that always happens to me wherever the fuck I go around the world now is Telling people you'll never get over it, and you know they always come up to me and say, "Why didn't Why didn't anybody ever tell me that? I've never heard anybody say that." And I always say, "I, I don't fucking know, man." Um, you know, all you got to do is is talk to people that go through trauma, whether it's child abuse, sexual violence, or combat. And if you ask them about the event, they will tell you. You know, they will tell you about Hank Norman. They will tell you about. You know about, you know, Ken Macaulay, and 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 they will tell you in slow motion, high definition, and and there there's nothing wrong with you, and I think that's why these discussions, and that's why your work is, to me, is so important because uh, you affirm that for everybody, and and this is going to be a lifelong struggle, and once you understand the damage is forever, then you understand that your remedy and and the actions you take have to be forever. I think that becomes life changing. And there's so much wisdom in, in, in the, these discussions and, and the work that you and Betty done, have done. And, and so, uh, what else am I supposed to ask you? What else did I tell you? Tom Quigley passed away. Quigley passed away where and when? Did, did
1: well, you? he passed away. He lived in Springfield, Illinois. He was from Springfield, Illinois. And he was a lifelong resident there. <clears throat> and he passed away last Tuesday, and his funeral is tomorrow, begins tomorrow. It's going to be a three-day affair. He'll be interred at Camp Butler National Cemetery on Friday. Uh, they're going to have a pallbearer of Quezon Vets, a team of pallbearers of Quezon Vets that are making it, trip there, and... Uh, the people that are handling it, uh, Stab is the name, S T A A B. They, uh, I've met those people. They are, you know, <clears throat> they're morticians, but they love veterans and they take outstanding care of veteran families. And I'm sure Tom will be well honored. And, uh, sorry he's gone. I'm sad about it, but hell, you know, it happens to everybody. So, right.
0: what, um, Ken, did you guys have, w- w- did you guys operate in Agent Orange and has that played a role in uh, your guys' post-combat health or were you guys yeah, not in that? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, we were, you know, we were sprayed, I mean, when I got up one morning, I didn't know what the hell it was, I got up one early one morning and I'm standing in a trench and this was like, I don't know, maybe early January of 68 and There's this plane flying over, spraying this stuff. You can see him spraying it, and I'm thinking, what the hell is that? (laughs) You know, and he sprayed us, and it was in the water because they sprayed everything up there because around Quezon was was, you know, heavily wooded. Right. Uh, And so, yeah, it's played a big role in the physical condition of a lot of these people, you know, all those weird cancers that are related to agent orange and type two type two diabetes i believe uh so yeah we got sprayed man we were drinking it we were bathing in it so
0: the um all right what haven't i asked you about what you're doing uh,
1: well i got one more thing to tell you about that so okay uh With I Married the War, we have got a contract with a PBS station in Northern California, and we've got an agreement in principle with the PBS station here in Idaho to screen the film in May around Memorial Day, which is a big thing for us. And both those stations are interested in acting as a national distributor, so the we can get it on a lot of PBS stations. Wow. Uh, and we have been approached by universities that want to screen I Married the War, I think probably for their mental health curricula. And we found out that they just don't buy the movie from you. You've got to go through some service that catalogs all this stuff. So we're we're trying to figure out what the hell that is. Uh so life goes on uh but we're excited about that film and i think it's going to make a big difference uh in the discussion on what happens in the families so
0: well i will tell you i mean i um i mean they're two very different works um but in the work that i do of how do you live a great life on the back side of Traumatic events, whatever your trauma is, both these movies uh, have taught me things. Both these documentaries have taught me things. I married the war. I married the war. You know, uh, I talk about all the time. I always put your picture up next to Betty, so you look better. And um, thank you. You're welcome. And uh, no, I to me uh, the there's so much wisdom in the words of of these people when you listen to them. If you if you're looking through the lens of being somebody who's been impacted by um, by tr- whose life's been impacted by trauma, whether you've suffered the trauma or you live with somebody who has, and and, and you have to live through it because of them, there's incredible wisdom in, in both these works, and and again uh, that line, I have to be a better version of me, um, I think has impacted so many people that I deal with. Uh, because it, it makes total sense it's totally rooted in truth um, <clears throat> that the person you used to be is in no way shape or form e- equipped to live um, to live a great life and there's a different skill set that's required and you can do it and that's that's what i've learned you can do it you can still live a great life to with the, these things included in your life but it's not going to be down the path you think, and you've got to learn how to master those skills. And once you do, and and, and the thing that Ken says that is so powerful. In fact, let me—I'll fucking play it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because let me tell you, if every time every time I, sh- I I do it, I laugh. Okay, because Ken's so fucking funny, and he and he has this. You know, Ken's first of all, he's really fucking smart, but he plays it off in this like. Folksy, uh, you know, kind of asshole-ish type of way, and um and he talks about being an asshole when you're when you're drinking on PTSD. And every time I watch it, it makes me fucking laugh. Okay, so let me hit play, and then let me get to the right spot. So hold on. Your worst
2: enemy. That's my sister and I- Peggy. An asshole, asshole, because you destroy your. Hold on. Playing- hold on. You, you get to a if you do it long enough, you get to a point where you as you, you, add it, you accurately describe what you do. You, you destroy your life. You destroy the lives of the people who love you. You destroy your friendships because people just get tired of putting up with you. You know, you're an asshole when you drink and have PTSD. You're an asshole. I was, I was just an ass. I was sarcastic, cynical, pissed people off, hurt their feelings, uh, and didn't care. And until I, you know, I got married a second time, I was still drinking heavily. And, uh, but I married a woman who understood that I needed to be able to articulate what had happened to me in, in Vietnam. And she listened. And I came to the conclusion that she wasn't going to stick around very long if I didn't get my shit together. Uh, so what, what, ma- what, happened.
0: what makes you stop drinking ultimately?
2: Well, you know, I just. I figured out that I was either going up or down, and it was my choice, and I better do it now because I was about past the point of no return because I was, like, drinking a case of beer a day and then maybe a bottle of wine or half a fifth of whiskey or, you know. I mean, I was consuming large amounts of alcohol.
0: So I don't, I can't tell you how many times I've watched that, and I'll be sitting there, and you see his punk ass. The first picture is him standing outside the sandbags, right, with that sneer on his face. So you see Ken's punk, punk ass, right, thing. And the things that I always notice from that are, are when he says, you know, you're an asshole. He said, you know, I used to piss people off, hurt their feelings. And, and then he says this, and I didn't care. Now, how does a young person get to be like that, right? Um, they go through experiences that, um, that change them And then they come home, and they essentially get treated like shit. And then when they go looking for help, they don't get help, right? They get medications and bullshit, and it doesn't help. And then you get mean because that's the way you survive. And then the thing that the audience reacts to is right at the end, right? Because I was drinking like a case of beer a day and a bottle of wine or a half a fifth of whiskey at night. And everybody, you see the room react to that. And you think of that. And that is all, you know, one man's journey through trauma. And then he quits cold. And then I say, and then he quits cold turkey. I said, now he didn't tell me that. Betty told me that on one of the interviews we did. Um, so I see his punk ass all the time, you know, and he, he makes me laugh doing this. But I mean, Ken, would you have ever thought, that your caisson um, experience would beget the work that you're doing now and the way you touch people's lives and, ch- and really the, the, the ch- I think the way you help transform people's lives by pulling back the curtain on this shit.
1: No, you know, I mean, you know, I was one of those guys who didn't talk about it uh, for a long time. And then, when we started on this journey, it was just like we were going to get these guys' stories down because they were important, mostly to my wife. Uh, Betty was the one that said, we need to tell these stories. We need to get these stories down. We need to get them on tape or something. And so that's how we started out. And so it's not it's been step by step and uh, learning all the way, and it's hard-earned, and it's hard learning and here we are (laughs) also.
2: Yeah, no shit,
1: here we are.
0: All right, man, I know you got someplace to go, um, but on on this day when the nation um, honors its Vietnam veterans, uh, I couldn't think of a better one to have on than you. Um, I'm proud to call you my friend. I'm proud that we do very, very similar work and uh, that uh, I get a chance to interact with you and Betty on a regular basis. So thank you very much for coming on and doing this this morning, Ken. Uh, give my best to your better half, and uh, if there's if I can get to um, Boise on May 4th, I will. Uh, how did? How do I get a ticket? If I drag my ass up there, can I get a free ticket, or do I have to pay?
1: You're talking to the wrong person, dude.
0: So shit, man! Don't you have any juice at all in this shit?
1: No, 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 no. This is this is a women's doing this stuff, man.
0: Again, I'm. I'm
1: Yeah, this is women's stuff. You know, this is this is wives stuff. So So
0: so what are you telling me? Get your fucking wallet out.
1: You know, I don't know. We'll have to I'll have (laughs) the boss contact you. All right. And and thank you for for what you do, because you do a lot of great work and it's continuing and it's ongoing and I think you're adding a lot to the the knowledge, not just the discussion, but the knowledge about this stuff, and it's really important what you do, and you give us us voices, and you give us exposure to be able to articulate what it was like. So, thank you for for what you're doing for having me on.
0: Oh uh, no, I I, I I well, first of all, I appreciate that. The um, Ken and Betty have hopped into you know the post traumatic winning graduate group uh, a couple times. And, uh, you know, I remember having a conversation with Ken after one of them, and and, and he said something to the effect that, to think that my experiences could help these people that have been through such terrible things, and I think you said, blows me away.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's like what you're doing there is really, was an eye-opener for me uh, to begin with, and the... Most of the people that I met through there were willing to you know expose their emotions on levels that I thought was astounding, so yeah
0: no and again and, and it you know people like you and the work you guys have done have, 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 you know help open that door and then they find a warm place there with other people like them and you and you and Betty are two of them you know when i and I tell everybody, hey, they're not coming as observers. <laughs> They're coming as users and participants, and uh, and so it's always great to have you. So, anyway, all right, man. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Have a great day.
0: All right. Yeah. Happy Veterans Bye. Day.
1: Thank you. All Bye. right,
0: bud. See ya. That is uh, Ken Rogers. Um. Bravo Company, First Battalion, Twenty Sixth Marine Regiment, fought at Khe Sanh. Uh, a proud Vietnam veteran um, has done incredible work relative to with his wife Betty. Uh, the two documentaries I'll include links to them. Uh, the first one is Bravo! Exclamation mark! You know, common men, uncommon valor. And I would tell you without a doubt, if you haven't seen it, watch it. And again, watch it all the way to the end. Watch it all the way to the end. And uh, at the end, they talk about what it was like to come home to a nation that uh, that didn't want to deal with them. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, amazing. And... Um, so, yeah <laughs> um and then the second documentary um is "I married the war I married the war dot com," and again, from my perspective, uh the work that I do, um there's so much wisdom in that thing and and for those of you who deal with um trauma on a regular basis in your families. Uh, You will see yourself in in the narrative of that movie, without a doubt. No doubt in my mind. You will see yourself. And so, um, yeah, check them out. They do great work. And and let me just tell you, awesome people. um, Most recently had a chance to uh, see them premiere, you know, the film at a film festival in Los Angeles. Went to dinner with them after that and just had an awesome time because, as you can hear from Ken, I mean, just... um, just just great guy and betty is i always give betty a tough time right so we all know that ken is like he's a fucked up dude right so betty like you look at him and see romeo like who's got more issues here you or him <laughs> and ken like he hops on too he says yeah finally somebody figure the shit out i said yeah i'm like look i'm on to her okay yeah you like the bad boys right betty so who's got more issues, right? And pretty funny, and it's true by the way. So it's like not joking. Yeah, there's a little bit of humor in that, but there's way too much truth in it too. So no, my thanks to Ken for coming on. Just uh, been, you know, one of the uh, one of the coolest things that's happened to me uh, relative to post traumatic winning and and this and All Marine Radio, where I initially met them, is uh, is meeting Ken and Betty. I mean, both great friends of mine, and and I admire their work and and uh you know our paths cross on occasion and, and hopefully we'll continue to do so so my thanks to him for coming on today that'll do it uh are gonna talk about ukraine and the peace talks yeah i think russia's screwed and there's talk that they're trying to reconsolidate but if you read the reports coming out about the state of their reserves, yeah, Russia, talk about hollow force, and all hey, all the articles on the lead-up to the war saying, oh, yeah, they're not what they used to be. They were every bit what they used to be, right? They just had new equipment. So, on that note, I've got to, uh, I've got to, edit this thing a little bit so don't touch that dial this uh, interview repeats itself momentarily so if you tuned in late don't go anywhere I'm Mike McNamara, this is All Marine Radio my thanks to Ken Rogers for coming on to all you Vietnam veterans right, happy Veterans Day to everybody else if you know a Vietnam veteran right, go out of your way to say happy Veterans Day on that note, I'm out